All right, well, um, obviously you know that we're continuing our series on care, and we are convinced that God has called us to care. Um, we have specifically talked about last week caring for the poor. Um, eventually we will um, address caring for the mentally ill um, as well as those with ongoing physical illnesses. Next week, we will talk about caring for the terminally ill. Today, though, we will process caring for those who are sick. And by sick, what I mean is that they're undergoing a season of acute illness that is not terminal, but it's, they're, they're suffering. And we're going to do this, um, uh, we, we're doing this because we want to intentionally develop um, our muscle to serve because service has a, a level of skill that is entailed in doing it well. And so we want to make sure that we are um, as, as prepared as we can be so that we're not behind the eight ball when situations come up. And situations are coming up for us as a church. And so we're going to... Um, uh, hopefully what we're sharing is not going to address everything. There's no way that it could. We cannot ever, when we're preaching, say everything that could be said. Um, but this is meant to be a kind of a, a springboard for us corporately to process what it looks like to serve. And then it's meant to also be a doorway toward more intentional ministry in the future for us as a church. As you know, if you're a member of Solid Rock, our philosophy of ministry is that the pastors aren't to do everything, but we are to equip people to do the work of ministry. And so we are, we, knowing the heart that this church has to serve individuals, to serve people, um, we believe that uh, we can take a step up and that we can build on a, a team that you probably haven't heard much of, um, and that's the practical care team, um, that we can build on their existence and, and, and marry their existence and this information and even build on it and expand that team so that we are serving each other practically. So one of the things we're going to do to position ourselves to, to, to take even a, a more of a stronger step forward is that on Wednesday, September 1st, our one another meeting will be a discussion um, uh, about these things. So we're going to have uh, people who have experience either because they are, they've been, they are infirmed in some way um, because they have experience in this area with people in their family or maybe they do through their profession. Um, people who will be able to speak much more specifically to the context than I can. So I'm giving you biblical principles and then I'm giving you things that I've seen work, but in no way has my life been immersed in caring for poor people. It has some, there's some regularity to it, but um, there hasn't been like an extended season where this is, is just part of my life all the time and I can't escape it. Um, I've seen it happen with my mom and my stepdad, um, but I have not been the one at the forefront. Um, so these people will have been at the forefront. Um, and so there may be questions I'm unable to, to answer, um, you know, when, when we do Q&A, but um, we are hoping that there can begin to be further information shared through that panel that we'll have. And even then, every single question still will not be answered then. Um, but we are intent on going through a journey that positions us to serve the sick, the needy well, because God himself does. And because 2 Corinthians 
uh, one, three through five, as you know, we've mentioned this both of the past couple weeks, says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction. Through the comfort, we ourselves have received from God. So it's God who, who positions us to be able to care for people, right? And I know that this is, this is review right here, right? So you've heard that unless you haven't been here. Um, God is the one who ignites the desire to care for others. He's the one who, who, who uh, enables us, empowers us, excuse me, <clears throat> to serve others as well. For verse 5 says, for just as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. So um, we believe that our comfort, that our experience of comfort is what positions us to care for others. And um, we believe that our, our, our ability to sustain a level of care for others also comes from God. Um, we believe the principle of, of what it says in, in 2 Corinthians 5, where Paul will go on to say that God is making his appeal through us, that when it comes to care, that God is actually caring for people through us as well, that God is doing things through his, his church. He's doing things through his body. So with that in mind, let's just, um, just make some, some uh, comments about about sickness. We know that when Jesus was on the earth, one of the things that he did regularly was that he healed people. He, he preached and he healed. He wanted people to know that the kingdom of God was near them. And one of the things he did was that he healed. Now, it's interesting to note um, that he did not heal everybody that he came in contact with. There's, and, and, there, and there's, not, there's not a lot of indication of this, um, because, you know, usually the snapshot is people were bringing everyone to him and he was healing them all. But there is this one passage that talks about how the faith level of some was such that he didn't heal many people. Um, we know that that sickness can be. So I say that to say, like, OK, all right, Jesus, he, he healed, but he didn't heal everyone. I mean, you probably know that, but that's just a, a transition sentence there. Um, but sickness can be, it's not always, but it can be a consequence of sin and neglect. Even for God's people. 1 Corinthians 11, 27 through 30 says, so then, speaking about the Lord's Supper, but, the, but, the, but, but it shows us what's happening here. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself. In this way, let him eat the bread and drink from the cup. For whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many are sick and ill among you. So this is Paul talking to the Corinthian church, right? He's not talking to us. He's talking to the Corinthian church. And he even says that many have fallen asleep. So sin, excuse me, sickness can be, can be a consequence of neglect and sin. And even when James talks about, about uh, prayer, uh, which 
um, we'll, we'll read um, specifically in just a moment, but he talks about not only like there being healing available, but also if they've committed any sin, that their sins will be forgiven, right? Um, so sin can be connected, sickness can be connected with sin. But sickness is not always connected with sin. Right, we mentioned these passages a couple time, a couple messages ago, but uh, John chapter nine verses one through three uh, says, "And as as he, as he was passing by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples, who must have knew that the man was blind from birth, um, said, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? What does Jesus says? Neither this man nor his parents sinned. This came so that God's works." might be displayed. And then when, when, when Jesus, knowing that his friend Lazarus was sick, he delayed going, as you know, in, in John chapter 11. And, and then in verse 4, he says this about uh, Lazarus being sick. He says, uh, this sickness will not end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So it is Possible. Those two passages are just to lay lay down the the fact that it is possible for sin for sickness. Excuse me. I don't know why. I just keep wanting to say sickness sin when I'm trying to say sickness. But um, sickness can result in the glory of God. God can manifest His glory despite the fact that someone is sick in the midst of. And God is He is a healer. Now, the sick should, I'm, I'm just saying this just because I, I know how it is um, to be, you know, sick and like, it, like say it's a cold or something like that. I, I'm not usually like asking people for prayer for that. However, scripture tells us in James chapter 5, which I mentioned a little while ago, uh, verses 14 through 15, is anyone among you sick? It asked the question. He should call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And it says the prayer of faith will save the person, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So if someone is sick, they should ask for prayer. They should ask their elders for prayer, and the elders should pray for them, or to pray for them. And so I would just encourage us, let us not allow, if we ever are sick, let us not allow our, our, our prayer to be our last resort, but may it be our first resort because Scripture encourages us to ask for prayer when we are sick. Now, we mentioned that Jesus did not heal everyone that he came in contact with, but he did uh, obviously heal many people. And he also passed along. He tells us elders to pray for the sick in our midst. Um, Paul also was a man who prayed and God answered his prayer to heal people. Um, I'm, I'm not going to read the passages, but they'll be projected up there on Acts uh, chapter 14, verses 8 through 10. talks about how um, Paul healed a man um, at Lystra who was lame. Uh, Acts chapter 28, verses 7 through 10, talks about um, uh, a, a, 
and uh, father of an important man being sick and Paul uh, healing him. But we also see with Paul that he had friends that he did ministry with that were sick, and it doesn't say that Paul healed them. So, and again, this will be projected, not read. Um, in 2 Timothy 4.20, his friend uh, Trophimus, when he left Miletus, Trophimus was sick still in Miletus. And then his friend Epaphroditus, who um, was from the Philippian church, he was sick almost to death. And it doesn't say that Paul healed him. It does say that he, uh, he didn't die, um, but we don't have an indication that Paul healed him. Um, so I'm saying that to say what? What is my point? What am I trying to say? Well, I'm trying to say that there is a, there's one, a context for faith that God can heal. There should be that. But there should also be a category for caring for the sick. That, that's even scripture we see that there's a both and, not an either or. And many times in scripture, we focus on the, on the part that, that we're most comfortable with, right? And we forget that oftentimes God and his ways are both and, not either or. With that in mind, we'll go back to the passage that we spent some time in on last week, and we'll spend a short amount of time in it, but then we're going to go to some practicals. Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46 say, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. The king will then say, will say to those on the right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or without clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And Jesus will answer them, truly, I tell you, whatever, whatever you did for one of, these, for one of the, the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on the left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you didn't take me in. I was naked and you didn't clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not take care of me. Then they too will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or, or a stranger or without clothes or sick or in prison and not help you? Then he will answer, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. 
and they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So usually when we think about our eternal state before God, we're thinking in categories of sin and righteousness, and, and that's, we should. But when we think about sin and righteousness, we're usually not thinking about serving other people. But this passage lets us know that we ought to have that as a category of righteousness as well. Because Jesus says in In verse, <laughs> excuse me, in verse 40, that, I'm sorry, hold on, hold on. no, the righteous say to him, all right, verse 40, yeah, this. yeah, that when you, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of these, one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So in serving them, we're serving Jesus. And in not serving them to the unrighteous, we're not serving Jesus. This is of eternal import for us. And this is something we've already said within the context of this series. But then the question becomes, like notice how specific, so it's not just serving haphazardly, right? It's serving specifically in a way that meets the need. So it's not that you take care of the hungry, it's that you feed them. It's not that you feed the thirsty, it's that you give them water, right? It's, it's, it becomes a matter of, okay, so what does it look like to care for the sick? And I'll say right now, there is no, there is no blanket answer. Because it's, well, what kind of sickness is it will be important in terms of like what care looks like. But I will say something that's not going to surprise you. It's just going to reinforce that the first thing we can always do for the sick is to pray for the sick. And not just pray for their healing, because as I've received input from other people, sometimes, especially when we start talking about people who have, have uh, chronic and, and, and like incurable situations, to, for people to keep praying for, for healing can be of discouragement to them. So, I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not personally going to say don't pray that, but I'm going to say like when you pray with them, don't pray that. So like in your secret closet, you can ask the Lord that. But when you're praying for them, keep that in mind. And I'm sure we'll talk more about that in two weeks when we when we get around to talking um, about that. But pray for the sick. How should we pray for the sick among us? One of the first things we should pray is that their faith remains intact. Because when you're isolated and all of us have experienced some measure of isolation over the past year and a half, right? Some measure. Even me, I have been active, but there's been some measure of of isolation. And we know that isolation, and we might we may say something about this later, or, or this may come up again, but isolation has a way 
of causing us to focus on what we don't have and causing us to question what we do have. John the Baptist shows us that when he's in prison. The one who said, hey, hey, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But in prison, hey, are you the one or should we look for someone else? Right? His mindset needed some encouragement then. And so um, we should pray that people's faith remain intact. We should pray that they have courage because it can be scary to be sick. We should pray that they experience they have a tangible recognizable experience with God who enters into sickness with us. He doesn't just say, okay, yeah, you go through that by yourself. No, he's with us. And the psalmist says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So there's a way to experience the presence of God in such a way. I was just reading yesterday how Charles Spurgeon talked about one of his members who was actually terminally ill, how she sang in the midst of her illness and how much of an encouragement that was to him. So we should pray. There's more that you can pray for. I'm not here to give you an exhaustive. I'm here to just help us to think in categories that propel us further from where we are. And there's no way to do that for each and every individual. So there is, those are the springboards and you go from there. This is something that will help you though, that I'm about to say now. And that is, we pray for the sick. This is how we can care for the sick. We pray for the sick. We ask the sick. We encourage them and we serve them. So what do we ask the sick? What are some things you can ask the sick? Okay, when someone is sick, especially if it's for a prolonged period, um, they have good days and bad days. Not every day is as bad as it could be. And so while, you know, I remember hearing like, um, don't ask people how they feel when you go to the hospital. And I may not ask them that way, but I do find a way to find out how they're feeling. Um, now, I would have to be in the midst of a conversation to show you exactly what I do. Um, but I, I know that's one of the things on, on my mind. So, like, if you ever have to go to a hospital, one of the things you can do is usually people have a, a chart that the nurses write stuff on, like fall risk or this or that pain at five or whatever. Like, you can look at that and you can use that as a, like, oh, okay, so... Um, you can just, you know, I mean, it is what it is for the person. So um, you can say, oh, so your pain is high today, huh? Um, I, I like to pray for that before I leave. Um, but, um, uh, you know, um, is there anything else going on besides um, the pain? You know, have you been able to get up today? You know, just, just whatever their situation is, you're, you're pivoting off of what their, re, what their reality is, what you can see of their reality. But then you, you do have to find tactful ways to ask, you know, um, to, to, to find out 
how they're feeling. Are they feeling weak today? Do they feel better than the last time you saw them? Um, Those are things um, that you can ask. And you can ask them, um, are are there or is, is there any particular thing I can do for you right now? Because sometimes, especially so now, I'm, I don't know why, my mind is in the hospital right now. So sometimes people do not advocate for themselves. And so there may be a time where you need to advocate for them. Um, I remember, I'm, I'm usually a person who allows people to like do their job. But I remember during the, uh, when my wife was delivering my son, um, uh, she had a C-section and, you know, that's a lot of anesthesia. Um, and um, this time, and she had C-sections before, but this time she couldn't feel herself breathe. So she said, hey, I don't, I feel like I'm not breathing. And um, so they were like, ma'am, your, your oxygen level is fine. And so I'm like, okay, so she should feel like she's breathing any moment now. So she said it again. And then I'm like, okay, um, a little bit of Landover's rising up in me, but I'm like, okay, no, 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 no. Go down, Landover, down, boy. And then they reassured her, your oxygen level is fine. Then she said it again. And I was like, hey, man, she said she can't breathe. So because it's like, okay, she, you need to hear that she says she can't breathe. You know what they told me? Sir, her oxygen levels are fine. She's, she's breathing fine. But it's still sometimes you need that, that other voice like, hey, she, she, you know, anesthesia, you know, she kind of like. So it's like, hey, man, maybe you're not understanding that right now. She can't breathe. Hopefully you won't need to do that. But that is something you may need to do. That is something you may need to do. Not, obviously not, they, they can't breathe. But advocate for your, your, your brother or sister in a way that, that they can't or won't. That they can't or won't. Um, is there anything I can do for you in the near future? Like maybe there's something that, like may, may, maybe there's something their family needs to know or... There's a discussion that needs to be had or whatever. It's just, it's, you just never know. So these are just things that kind of help you get some data so that you can serve with some precision, right? Because in, in, in Matthew chapter 25, that people are serving with precision. They're not just showing up, but that's first, showing up is the first thing. Presence is the very first thing that we should, um, should be with people. We should pray. We should have presence. But when we're present, we should ask them, hey, you know, how's it going today? Is there any particular thing I can help you with right now? Is there anything I can help you with in the near future? Do you anticipate any needs coming up? So usually, like, I mean, this, this, as my mom gets older, there are things I find, like, I need to check in on her about. All right, it's about the storm. Do y'all need me to bring anything over there? Or... Um, um, she may have mentioned some, some, some package came to her house and I may need to move it. Or I may need to flip her, move her mattress around. These are like small things. She's, she's, my, my mom has had, uh, she's had a, a tumor removed out of her brain. Um, she's had uh, surgery to remove arthritis from her back. Um, and, um, you know, she doesn't remember everything the way she used to. Like, like she used to remember when I did something wrong. Like she's not remembering that kind of stuff anymore. With that sharpness where it's like, boy, you in trouble, go to your room. She's not like that anymore. She'll repeat herself. So I'll see, these are things I'm just noticing. My radar is up for like, how can I serve my mom? Because her need is increasing 
Not like she's sick, but like she's, you know, like she's getting older. But when sickness comes, then obviously then I am going out of my way to see if there's anything that she needs. And that's the same for our brothers and sisters in Christ, or it should be the same. And then, so those, those kinds of questions are questions that are like, you know, questions about um, things that you would ask anybody, right? And you, would, you could ask anybody this next question, but if they're a believer, um, this is something that I learned because it wasn't natural for me to do it just based on like my personality, but I learned to ask this question uh, years ago and it's, it's, in re- it's in relation to like how they're doing spiritually. So it's like, you know, what do you, what you might fill in your language, right? But um, can you discern God doing anything in, in you during this time? Are you aware of God's presence with you right now? My, the way I usually ask the question, this is the way I usually ask the question. And I think I got this from someone else, so, um, but it is, how's your soul? We've asked about your body. We've asked about the things that, you know, we might be able to do for you, but how is your soul? Like, are you, are you anxious right now? Um, are, you, are you hopeful right now? Are you discouraged right now? What's going on? Because I don't just want to pray, excuse me, <clears throat> I don't just want to pray that you, um, you know, get better. Remember, remember Hezekiah, right? Hezekiah, <laughs> he was told that, he, hey, this you're about to die, man. This sickness is going to lead to death. He, he humbled himself before the Lord, got some extra time. And what did Hezekiah do? Man, he did something so that the, that, that judgment from God was going to come, a consequence from God was going to come that, that the Israelites would be in captivity to the people that he showed the goods of God to. What did Hezekiah say? Hey, man, since it's not in my generation, I'm good. Right? So we're not only concerned. I'm not only concerned as a pastor for people's uh, temporal good. Hey, I want that because, I mean, I would want it myself. So I'm thinking as I would think for myself. But ultimately, the thing that I want to know about and the thing that's most important to me is that people are strong spiritually. Because Paul said that though the outward man perish. That's King James, I know, but the inner man is renewed day by day. So despite what's happening to me in the flesh, Job even said, you know what, though he slay me, yet I'll trust him. So there is a, a we can access like, hey, Lord, I know I don't like what's happening to my body. I don't like what I'm experiencing right now, but I still trust you. And since I see that that is possible in Scripture, with God's people, I'm assuming that it's possible right now with God's people as well. Because the scriptures let us know that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if Jesus is, then so is the Father, right? So is the Spirit. So my, my ultimate desire is that, that people thrive spiritually regardless of what's happening physically. I don't want to ignore the physical, right? James says, hey, man, you can't just say like, hey, be blessed. And that's all you do. (laughs) Excuse me. You have to to address 
the need, right? And in this passage, 25 of Matthew, when I was sick, you took care of me. So we pray for the sick. We ask the sick what they need. We don't just assume that we know because we may not. We're not the one who's sick. But we do know that people can get discouraged in sickness. So we do want to make sure that we are inquiring about their spiritual health as well. But we want to encourage the sick as well. We encourage them. Remember when, we first, when COVID first started, one of the first messages that we heard from Pastor Kurt had three points. And the points were um, don't, live as, as, don't live in fear or don't live as, as fools. Thank you. Definitely live in faith. But the last thing was don't forget about one another. Our culture does not run to the sick. Our culture will want, if you ever hear, I know we're talking about terminal illness next, next week, but if you, I know one of, one, of my, one of my children, like anytime you say, hey, Man, such and such passed away. The first thing they'll want to know is, how? And when they do that, then I, I just think about, you know, when I used to ask that question. Usually when I would ask that question, I want to make sure, like, I didn't fall in the category of, like, what? okay, you know, he, did, he had this. Oh, he was around. Oh, he was around that neighborhood, and so he got shot. Oh, I ain't going there. Uh, he, he was this age, and oh, well, hey, I'm younger than that. Or like he was, so it's just, we, we don't want to like be faced with our mortality. There's no way to not, not face it ultimately. You will, we will. We will. But we don't want to. Hey, man, I don't want to. This is all I know right now. It's not like I'm like, hey, man, you know, I, I, t- I say it all the time. I am, I just desire to wait for the, the rapture plan. That's what I want. I don't, I don't even want to experience death at all. The first, I don't want the first death. I definitely don't want the second death. But the first death, I don't even want parts of that. Nah, Lord, I, I, I come back before my time is up, please. Now, I know I can't. That's not really a prayer of mine, but man, um, it, it, it's, it's part of my thought process, even not articulated in that way. It's like, I, I don't want to die. I don't want to go through that as, 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 as one brother in here was actually Lou said, like the, you know, seeing the Lord is something we desire. The process that we know of, of getting there, death, not so much that we don't, we don't desire that part. And that's, that's true for me. We need to be people that wisely, not foolishly, goes toward people who are sick though. Because of the isolation we were talking about. Our presence alone, you think about presence, how powerful presence is. Before your if you have a child, before they can articulate any word or understand any words you use to them, they recognize your presence. Right? They might, it may be your voice, it may be just the way you hold them, um, but they, they recognize it. So from a very young age, we appreciate presence. And so may we be people who find a way to be present. May we also be people who find a way to remind people 
that God is present as well. So don't just, don't, I would say it, it, it seems to be best not to just be in a place where you don't engage in a process, in a communication process that includes finding out and asking about their temporal situation. But eventually you do want to, in light of what you hear, and this is where knowing God's word for yourself can be so helpful, um, you still want to remind them that God is with them without minimizing their current situation without minimizing their current situation. So you want to remind people that God is with them. One of the ways that you remind them, though, is by being present. There's so many, and, and, and how do I notice? I notice because people will years later say, yeah, I remember that time you visited me in the hospital. And I'm, I'm like the people in, in Matthew 25. I'm like, can you remind me? Like, what? Um, when was that? Remember I was in the hospital? I remember Susan Manzano who's seated in here today, um, she, she had a surgery. Um, it, I'm, I'm, she didn't give me permission to share this, but it was a prayer request at the time, so the whole world knew, the whole Solid Rock world knew at the time. Um, but she got her appendix removed. And so she reminded me that I came and visited her in the hospital, and man, I, I, I didn't remember it. And so I remember it now because she had to remind me, and usually my memory's pretty good about a lot of things, so it's like, man, I, I just don't remember that. I don't think I said anything real deep when I was with her. I don't think I was there real long with her. But the fact that I appeared and was there and was able to say a little bit and to pray for her, I'm sure I did that. That doesn't only make a statement about Mike Dixon. That makes a statement about the Lord. See, what you represent to people is brother or sister, or in my case, pastor, but definitely brother or sister. I could one day not be a pastor, but I'll be a brother or sister. Well, I ain't going to be a sister, but I'll be a brother. Right? <laughs> I, I, I'm going to be that, right? I'm going to be that. And so it represents more than who we really, who we are in and of ourselves that you would even appear or that you would send flowers or that you would text or that you would call or that you would send a card. Those things, those are ways you can make your presence known. Let them know I haven't forgotten you, though I haven't seen you at church for a while. We can't be out of sight, out of mind people. We need to, as I said, lean forward as it relates to interacting with those who are sick. And what greater way to remind people of God's presence than to find passages that help people. One of the go-to books for when people are sick and you're trying to encourage them, I think, are the songs. The song is because it doesn't just automatically begin and end with, and God is good, but it can take you through the process of what the mindset can be when I feel like I'm all alone and I've been here at night alone and I don't know about you, but I, 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 I haven't been sick in this way, but I do know that, that sometimes um, when I've had colds and whatnot, like when, when it's late at night, the cough gets worse. The isolation with the darkness and then no one's around, 
or the not being able to get sleep because you're in the hospital and they're keeping checking your vitals and all that stuff and you're trying to get rest. We know that sleep is a way that we can that we can heal ourselves. And so it's like, man, you know, it's people can feel isolated. So the Psalms take into account like what life is like here in the horizontal before it pushes our chin up to the vertical and that God is with us. So we want to remind people um, of, of the Lord. And I think by our very presence, we remind people of our care. But I also think, and this is something that I've become more, I'm more comfortable with now. Um, and that's to, you know, communicate my affection for someone. To let them know that I care about them. Me, I care about you. I care about you being sick. I want to see you back in the house of God. I know I can't control that, but I, can, I would love to see you singing about the king as we were um, this morning in God's house. So we pray for the sick. We ask the sick. We encourage the sick by our presence. We encourage them with testimonies, which are reminders of what God can do. We encourage them with scripture, not just with our own anecdotal um, remarks. And we remind them <clears throat> of our care for them. And then we serve the sick with joy. We've already mentioned serving them with precision. And when necessary, we should serve with consistency. So, I mean, it's, it, it, and, and that can be difficult, but that's why we need, we need a team of people, right? So that not one person um, has to do that all the time. This is the thing about, about serving the sick. And this alluded to, I mean, it's plain from Matthew 27, excuse me, from Matthew 25. When we care for the sick, we vicariously care for Christ. Now, I want to take your mind back to um, Matthew 27. When I say back, I don't mean we talked about it. I mean, like, I'm sure you've read it before. You remember when Jesus is carrying his cross. He's carrying his cross, and, and he's so weak that he can't, he can't do it all on his own. So it says in verse 32... <laughs> Excuse me, it says, as they were going out, they found a Cyrenian man named Simon. They forced him to carry his, Jesus's cross. So it, it, the fact that they had to force him to carry the cross of Christ means he didn't want to do it. He didn't want them to forget that he's not the man who's being crucified, but like this, this other dude is. Right. So he didn't want to have anything to do with the cross of Christ. When we care for Christ, for, for people, the passage in Matthew 25 lets us know that we are vicariously caring for Christ. And many people, if they were in the situation and they since we know the end of the story, since we know who Jesus is, since we recognize that he's the king of all kings and that he's dying the death that we should have died. 
Many of us would think in our minds, man, I wish I was there based on the knowledge I have now because I would willingly carry that cross. I would associate myself with Jesus. Well, brothers and sisters, right now we have the opportunity to associate ourselves with Jesus by caring for the sick. We help them to carry the cross that they have, right? When, when, when we come to Christ, it's, it says that, that no man can come after him unless they deny himself. The second thing is to do what? Take up their cross and follow him. When we care for the sick, we become Simon. We carry some of that cross, right? Galatians 6.2 talks about bearing one another's burdens. So we cannot completely bear one another's burdens, but there are ways in which we can come alongside and we can care for people in their time of need. And so when we remember that Jesus said, when you've done this to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you've done it to me. We are associating ourselves with Christ and his sufferings, and we are relieving each other of having to carry our cross all by ourselves without any help at all. Our Savior needed help. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he got some help in the garden, right, when the angel came. But he still needed more help to carry his cross. The sick need help carrying their cross. And when we care for the sick, we vicariously care for Christ himself. Caring for the sick not only allows us to, to care for Christ vicariously. We've already mentioned this, so I won't even belabor this point. I'll just mention it again. It allows us to directly encourage people in a time of need. And it allows us to model Christ. The bridge to the song, the second song we sang, I think the name of the song was His Name is Jesus. It says, there's never been a love so great. He died so we could live. Then rose up from the grave. Name another king like this. Jesus being a king. You just think about how things work in this world. Our president, from what I understand, that there's a way for him, there's a place for him to go if we, had, if we came under attack. And it's been that way for our presidents. The more important people, they get protected. They get shielded away. They, get, they got secret service around them. You know, I, I remember when I was younger, President Ronald Reagan got shot. And I saw the response of the, 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 the secret service. They put themselves in the way so that he wouldn't get shot anymore. Right? They, they took it upon themselves. The important in this world get the most protection. But the king that we serve says, you know what? I'm willing to enter into what, what, what's ailing you, I'm willing to enter into your situation. I'm willing to enter into your rebellion against me. 
and I'm willing to take on the penalty of that rebellion so that you can know me and serve me and represent me in this world. There's never been a king like this. There's not another king who would take on sickness for us, which the, the, the uh, math, excuse me, uh, Isaiah 53 talks about him taking on our, 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 our sickness even, right? And ultimately, we know that our sickness is associated with sin, um, that sickness was not in the world before sin. So we know that ultimately it will be an ultimate reality. But sometimes people experience that. How, though? They experience it because he entered in. He didn't say just, I'm sorry, uh, uh, he didn't just, just pull out a wand and say abracadabra and like, okay, now it's good. No, he took off some of his own glory and entered into our situation. He does that with the sick as well. We were praying on a prayer call earlier, uh, well, last week, and as we were praying for the sick, one of the things that came to mind was how that with when it came to um, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right, they, 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 the people who put them into the furnace, they, they get consumed by the fire because it was so hot. And then Nebuchadnezzar, what did he do? He asked, hey, how many people did we put in there? like we put three right right but I see four and the fourth one looks like the son of God my brother or sister if you're looking and you and you you know through the camera and you're sick or if a season of sickness comes upon any of us may we remember that sickness is the same way Surely it feels like one person is going through it, but there's another, as the song says, there's another in the fire, right? Jesus doesn't leave us. He comes to us. He's a king and doesn't need to come anywhere, but he goes out of his way. And when we care for the sick, we get to model that ourselves. We're healthy, but we're going to go to the sick. We're going to help them. We're going to take care of them. We're going to ask them. We're going to follow up our prayers with asking. We're going to encourage. We're going to serve them. We get to be like Jesus when we serve the sick. Because we don't just leave them on their own. But we go to them and we try to help them. That's the mindset that can propel us to wherever we need to go. I don't have all the answers about what it looks like, but I just sense that like we need to get ready because some of us are getting older. As a matter of fact, I think it's our oldest member of the church has a birthday this Thursday, I think. Wednesday. Gene Munson. Some of you may not even know him, but Gene will be 86 years old. So whoever the youngest person is who may be saying, Mommy, back there, you know. Uh, we have that kind of person here, and we have an 86-year-old person here. And so we need to prepare because we're, we're getting older, and we've been, we've been around long enough to know that ailments come along with age. And we don't want to forget people. We want to move forward and move toward them. And so I would say if you do know Gene, 
give him a call, send him a card, let him know he's cared about. As far as I know, he's not like, you know, he, he has his ailments, um, but he hasn't taken a, a significant step in any direction. But I'm just saying, like, as, as, as we say uh, proverbially, let's let people uh, have their flowers while they can smell them. And let's, as we consider the fact that people, will, there will be sick among us, let's not ignore that. Let's not run away from it. But instead, like, let's run toward it. And let's pray. Let's ask questions. Let's encourage. And let's do whatever it takes to serve in a way that when we are before Jesus, and we may have forgotten about the fact that we served, whoever, fill their name, fill the name in the blank that Jesus says well when I was sick you took care of me and we don't even remember when because it was just a lifestyle and a posture of our heart that we followed through on may it be so regarding every member of Solid Rock Church let's pray Lord I, I pray as you know, I pray before these times and after these times, Lord, I pray that you would please um, allow your word to the degree that it is something that needs to be embraced and applied. Lord, please allow your word to hang around in the minds of your people. That we might apply that which we need to apply so that we will be those who have cared for the sick so much that it's nothing special that we need to memorialize, but it is just a way of life and that it's such a way of life that we don't even count it as something to be uh, remembered in a way like, yeah, I did do that, Lord. Father, I pray that you would please move and stir hearts to care for the sick, to answer the call, to care for the terminally ill, to persevere in caring for those who have ongoing uh, physical illness and those who have ongoing mental illness as well. Lord, most of us are not qualified for such things apart from you, but Lord, we know that you will qualify us and we expect you to because you call us to take care of the sick and we desire to do it and thank you for the degree to which we do so now but Lord would you expand our capacity and our competency Lord that we might glorify you by caring well for one another in Jesus name I pray and I thank you Father Amen Jasmine has some announcements and if there are any questions, I'll answer them. But uh... yes. Thank you. If you have any questions, please text them to 240-623-8076. In our announcements for this week, we have the third installation of Doctrine of Providence, led by Dr. Carl Tonk, mm, Carl Sanders. <laughs> What's his name? Carl Sanders. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was thinking of this uh, video I seen the other day about Carl Thomas. It was funny. 
Kevin wants to take it. Um, so Doctrine of Providence will be this Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Feel free to register for that on Church Center. Um, that will be live in person, and we will also be streaming if necessary for you. Um, and many people have been asking about donating school supplies as we get ready for our back, our back to School Expo, which will be Friday, August 27th. Um, feel free to donate by giving um, online so we can continue to prepare for that and get ready for next year. You can give on the Church Center app, or you can give um, by check or money and just put in the memo line metamorphosis community project and also in the giving section on your app that is also available to give directly to metamorphosis which is our nonprofit that um, Mike spoke about a little bit last week um, lastly we have our women's fellowship in the park that'll be in a Greenbelt Park no Scrum Hills Park in Greenbelt um, please RSVP for that by August 26, and there's a couple of questions uh, on there if you want to do a game or activity and also to bring a dish to share. Um, that will be August 29th um, after church from 1.30 to 5.30 for all women. Um, and that will be all for our announcements. Q&A. Mm. <laughs> I'm sorry. So our first question is, what passage supports your statement that you opened up with um, when you spoke about Jesus not healing every person that he came in contact with? Mm, that's a great question. <clears throat> Can we go to the next one while I find that? Because I do have to find that. Sure, sure. But, but it's, thank you. Mark 6, thank you, Carl. So that's another come to the doctrine of providence. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's Mark chapter 6. Um, so we'll, we'll go there and read it since it was um, asked about just so every, in case anyone else had that, that question. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's talking about him going to his hometown. After, uh, this, I'll start in verse 1. It says he, he left there and came to his hometown and his disciples followed him. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished. Where did this man get these things, they said? What is this wisdom that, he has, that, that has been given to him? And how are these miracles performed by his hands? Isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are his sisters here with us? So they were offended by him. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his, home, in his hometown, among his relatives and in his household. And he, verse 5, was not able to do a miracle there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. He was going around the village's teaching. So that's the passage. Our next question is, are there any ways that we can care with good intentions for people, but it not be a good thing or what they need, i.e. caring for them in the wrong way? Okay. Um, 
So I hear that question two ways. So can you ask that question one, one, one more time? Are there wrong ways to care for people, although we have good intentions? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so there might be wrong ways two ways. So you can be wrong in that you have good intentions, but do the wrong thing from the perspective of the person being served. So that's why we said ask questions. But um, we can also, um, and I would think that this, just in my experience, I'll say this, qualify with that. In my experience, it has come, uh, it has been like toward the poor, where like you're doing things that really don't ultimately serve them. Um, so you may be, um, you know, so, so on this, this coalition that I'm in, well, no, I'll just use this. You've heard that, like, um, if you if you you can feed someone and you fed them, or you can teach them how to fish and they can feed themselves eventually, right? So I think there are ways in which you can make people dependent upon you um, without helping them to do the things that th- that they need to do. But specifically to answer that question from the pers- from the perspective of the asker, I think I would have to have like. What's the situation to answer that question like specifically for them? Because I can think of, of, of situations where like people feel like they are enabling people um, and that's not what you're, what you're after. You are trying to care for people. I think, I think you do have to embrace a level of like you might be used by people. And I think you, the way I process that is like, man, God, people use God all the time um, and like, okay, uh, I, I used to use God at one point in time in my life. So I understand like that's a dynamic, but my main focus is, <clears throat> excuse me, how can I represent God best? And like, then I am trying to discern like what is best for this particular situation. And I, you can only determine that like based on, um, you can only determine that based on the context, who, who you're dealing with, what the situation is, what the needs really are. Um, and uh, so I hope that helps in terms of categories. But if there's a specific situation, um, there, there are many ways to be wrong. There, there are many ways to be wrong. Just remember you, we cannot do everything for people. And so that's why we, we pray. And then we may need other people. But we do, we're not looking to be used and abused all the time, even though sometimes we may there may be a situation in which like somebody just ran over me and it's okay. You know, it's fine. I'm, I'm, what I'm doing is for the Lord. Um, but I'm not going to keep doing that. If it looks like what, what that person is doing, like it's not serving them. Um, so I, I'll give you one, one, one example. I'm closing with this illustration. I mentioned my mom and my stepdad, my, my stepdad, God rest his soul, um, is, uh, was a diabetic, wasn't supposed to have anything to drink, right? You can't, when your kidneys are bad, you can't do that. So his kidneys were bad. But man, he could, he could make most people get him something to drink. And he wasn't supposed to have nothing to drink. And then every time he had something to drink, there was a consequence. Like later on, his pressure would be real high or this or that or the other. So it's like, okay, well, with me, he never could get me to get him. I was like, now nah, I'll get you these ice cubes, but I'm not going to get you anything to drink. So that would be like an illustration where it's obvious. 
this is going to harm you, so I'm not doing it. Even though you want it, and I feel for you because, man, who would want to struggle with thirst all the time? So I did feel bad um, and not be able to quench it, but ultimately, like, it wouldn't serve him to give him that drink, even though I could relate. I, I had empathy for, like, man, I, I know what it's like to want that thirst quenched. Our next question, um, all things we should do for the sick also feel like what we should do with each other, um, regardless of the situation, such as pray, ask, and encourage. Are we called to live like this and not wait till people are hospitalized? You know, if I could do flips and, and stuff like that, I would do it right now because, yes, we, we are called. I think the, even the Matthew 25 passage just the fact that the righteous didn't know that they were doing anything special, I do think it's, it's a way of life, not necessarily context-driven. Context may um, increase the intensity in which we do these things, but I do think that our mindset should be that we do these things because we're following the Lord and, and we're representing the Lord to each other. So, yes, great. Um, this is the last question. Some folks only believe in divine healing and won't take um, medicines. How do you count, count, counsel? I don't know, I'm stuttering like that. How do you counsel people that uh, medicine can be okay? It's because of Kevin on stage. I know. Yeah. Um, Well, I think one of the things I would say is that uh, the writer of Luke and Acts was a physician. So he didn't quit being a physician after he became a believer in Christ. He continued on in, in his profession. And so I think that one, so there's nothing inherently evil about um, using what um, what's, what's available to us. I mean, we do it all the time and... It, <laughs> Um, so, I mean, I would imagine uh, this is just like, this is anecdotal. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's a passage that says like, take medicine. Um, so this is going to be anecdotal, but like that person probably owns a car, right? They, but, but they got, they have feet to walk, right? So they can walk everywhere, right? I mean, I'm, of course it wouldn't be feasible. Um, but nor is it feasible to just say, you know what? Um, I need insulin. And so I'm just going to, I mean, because I've seen what diabetes does, um, it, it would be like, I would encourage somebody to take the insulin. However, if you're, I would do this as well. If the measure of faith you have is that, then you, you do that. My measure of faith would be as much as I don't like, I mean, I don't really, I don't want to learn how to give myself a needle. So man, do y'all have a pill form or something? I would, I would take it. I'm sorry, I, I would take it. I'm not, that, you know, if myself, um, there are three medicines that I take, probably two of them. I probably, through exercise and changing my diet, probably wouldn't have to take them. One of them, I have a thyroid condition. That part, um, you know, is not something that, that I understand is something that could be, uh, that, that I could change. Um, so I think, you know, because of the fact that, you know, yeah, I, I'm one of those people where, like, here are the, here are the options. So if the option is, 
you're ultimately going to die because you don't have this medicine. Like, are you aware of that? And that's what you're good with. And if the other option is this will prolong your life or increase your quality of life, then that's an option. I don't think it's a, a, a lack of faith. And I think there are ways you can take even medicine you have, um, you know, to take consistently in, in a faith-filled way and recognizing that God is the author and the determiner of how long you live. So you can take some of the medicines I take. And sometimes, I don't do this all the time uh, now because it's been years, but I should still do it. But I would say before taking the medicine, Lord, I know that, uh, that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth. I acknowledge that right now, even as I take these, I, these are not making me live like my life comes from you. Um, so those would be things I would say to the person. Obviously, I would have to be, there would have to be a dialogue. But then, like I said, at some point, it's like, okay, here's option A and option B. The choice is yours. And I don't know of any scriptural, uh, I believe in that God is a healer. Um, but I also know that Christians have died from disease. So that's just a, a reality. And um, then, then the person, just that's how my mind works, they have the choice to say, okay, well, I'm going to ride with God, and they will, and that will be what it is. Or I will ride with God, and, like, he's provided these medicines and this knowledge, and I'll just, I'll entrust that to him as well. Right. So thank you guys what? for listening. Oh, no, 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 man, you said last one. No, no, no. So this one just came, just came in. Uh, this person has a friend with an incurable disease and was diagnosed in their early 20s with the disease, and they're in their 40s now. She was able to finish middle uh, medical school um, to practice for a short period of time until her illness um, slowly took her voice, hearing, and vision, and she was unable to practice anymore and um, continued to slowly deteriorate physically. Her mother is a prayer warrior and always tells her that a miracle is coming and she's sick and tired of hearing it and has been for many years. How would you advise um, her mother? Her mom is desperate and wanting to encourage her sick daughter, but their relationship is getting souring. A wedge is being torn in between them because of this um, type of ministering to her. Mm -hmm. Well, um... Obviously, I wouldn't say it like this, but since it's just us, like my mentality would be like, um, if it were me, I would want somebody to tell me, look at the fruit of my actions or my daughter. I can pray whatever I want to pray in my secret closet and nobody knows about it, right? If it tempts my, my daughter for me to pray in a certain way or to tell her a certain thing, um, then I'm not going to do it. Um, but if I see, I might be able to, um, if I saw God do something, just say, wow, man, the Lord is good. But in terms of like forcing um, something that it doesn't seem like God is doing, then I think it's, it's best to, um, if the daughter hasn't walked away from the Lord, I mean, first celebrate that and celebrate, you know, what God has done in her life and the accomplishments she has um, been able to achieve despite her illness and celebrate. Thank God for that. Um, I, I'm not sure what the how the daughter feels, but I would imagine I would think that 
um, even praying like that could even diminish or seem to minimize the accomplishments that's been made by the daughter despite the illness. Um, so um, I, would, I would want someone to tell me, like, hey, man, look at the fruit of, like, what's happening. You're alienating your daughter, your son right now. For what? A, a few words? Like, you can believe what you want to believe and act on it through prayer without alienating your daughter would be what I would uh, express to that person. And, uh, and if they were a member here, I would, I would have more words with them to try to help them to, um, it, you know, they may be saying that all that stuff for themselves, for their comfort, um, and not because they're really ministering to the daughter. They, that might be, their daughter may be something they're not willing to let go. And um, all of us have had to let go people, but not many have had to let go their children. So I understand that would be a hard thing to do. Um, so the first thing I would do, though, was to be like, you love your daughter so much. Look at the fruit of how you're engaging her about her sickness. Um, so why don't you not do that? Um, well, thank you. Lord bless you. Don't forget about Wednesday, the third installment of the Doctrine of Providence. And um, also next week we will hear testimony from someone who does have a terminal illness. Um, they've been gracious enough to, um, to, to, to sign up for that. And, um, you know, hopefully, you know, if we have any questions sparked by his testimony, um, he'll be able to answer some of those uh, for us. So God bless you. Have a wonderful week and uh, try to stay cool out there. <laughs>